What's going on, everybody? It's meteorologist Joe Maratucci here at the Press of Atlantic City. Welcome to the Something in the Air podcast. And for this episode, we will be talking about hurricanes. Now, I know you're saying, Joe, we just talked about hurricanes last month with Jordan Jones. Yes, that is true. But we have a very special guest on, one of my meteorological parents here. This is Jim Everwine, retired National Weather Service forecaster, seeking Emergency Management Coordinator, and much, much more. He has covered the coast his entire career here with the Weather Service. Let's get to it. Jim Everwine. And here we are, the moment I've actually been waiting for for a while because, Jim, you and I did this podcast a long time ago, so long ago, we weren't doing video at the time. So now it's good to actually see you kind of sort of in person here. Yes, yes, it is. And uh, it's like being right next to you, Joe. I've been that is exactly, exactly. Been now, I have to say, you know, now you are in Galloway right now. You're at the Sweet Tooth, right. which is your wife's candy shop. Usually you have a hurricane room that you're in with all these pictures and you know yeah. everything like that books all the good stuff now you just got boxes behind you so did uh did you get kicked out of your hurricane room no 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 what i'm doing i'm i'm, I'm in a safe room in case those severe thunderstorms come through so that's very smart of you jim but all the chocolate will go first before it gets to me that's <laughs> and i think you said there's quite a bit of chocolate behind you yeah 3500 yeah 3500 3, how quick do you go through 3500 pounds and I bagged that too. I bagged that. Jim, I thought you were retired. No, Joe, Joe, you know better. I retired 2010 from my, my career job, but I am busier today than I've ever been with, with uh, ACC, ACIT, emergency management, and uh, teaching classes for FEMA and sometimes the state police. And helping me out by coming on the podcast. So all, all around good guy. I'll always help you out. Oh, well, th thank you. I appreciate that. We are recording on a severe weather day today, but actually what we're really going to talk about is hurricane season. Um, back in April, we had Jordan Jones, um, excuse me, in May, I apologize, uh, Jordan Jones from Colorado State University. She's one of the forecasters who puts together the hurricane forecast. And now we're turning it local. We're going to Jim. I mean, Jim has been here for a long time he knows the shore you probably know him if you're watching so i don't think you know he's much more of an introduction to what i said before but you know jim I, it was interesting because you want to talk about hurricanes and how we can protect ourselves from hurricanes in the 21st century and like what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about that the first thing the first thing is having a relationship with with the people in your community and that relationship is built around emergency management. Uh, emergency management, as you know, Joe, in working with them over the past several years, you, you have to work with them because they are the ones who are going to uh, send out the call to action after the National Hurricane Center and the Weather Service does theirs. But it's the emergency management, it's the local community being informed, and it's also the media, like yourself. I mean, you've made tremendous strides in, in the time that you have been down here uh, in, in uh educating the people in all, all sorts of weather, like, the, like that article you did the other day about the, uh, uh, the hot temperatures being records. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're really involved in it, but when you get into the more serious stuff, like the severe thunderstorms today, you're involved with that. I know you've been talking to some of the emergency managers, but that's where you build, that's where you build the relationship. And that relationship starts in January, not at the hurricane season. It starts mm -hmm. in January, making all these ties. 
But the number one thing is to ensure the safety of the citizens of New Jersey and locally and uh, um, staying on the right page with everybody else when it comes to decision making and um, using the tools available to you, which are, which are far more tremendous today than, than they have been in the past. When I first came in, a satellite picture was a paper picture. And we used to hang around the machine like the water cooler. And then we'd say, oh, my God, here comes a satellite picture. It's coming in. But today you get them every couple of minutes. So that's, that's part of the advancement. That's part of what we're looking at. And hopefully we can use these tools to uh, keep everybody safe. Yeah, you know, going back to uh, your days with the National Weather Service here, you were both in Mount Holly, then Atlantic City at the airport before, uh, you know, before the consolidation happened. You know, how long would it take to actually, like, get information from the Hurricane Center and then push it out to everybody? Like, let's say from well, the beginning of your career to when you retired, which was 10 years ago. Well, believe it or not, uh, one, of the, one of the things, I like to think New Jersey is a, is a coastal state. It's only 60 miles wide. And if you look at some of the hurricanes that have come ashore down south, uh, I mean, they'll blow through North Carolina in no time at all, and that's 300 miles. But here in New Jersey, you're only 60 miles. So we always considered ourselves a coastal state and, and threats from tropical storms and nor'easters. And even when I first started back in 72, it was two years later when we had uh, then director Neil Frank of the Hurricane Center visiting our office in Atlantic City and flying over and telling us how, how – uh, uh, significant it is to live at the shore, but also it could be very dangerous at times. But uh, over the years, the, the Hurricane Center is very, very, very in tune to what happens in Atlantic City, very concerned about Atlantic City and also the state of New Jersey. So we're constantly in touch with them. But the technology, as you mentioned, we could talk to them, but now you can actually see what they're saying. You can actually interrogate all their texts and look at Heravac, things like that. Look at the satellites, which are absolutely tremendous. With a hurricane, you can see it coming days ahead of time before it wasn't, wasn't so uh, available to you. So uh, you've, you've cut a lot of time uh, in, in getting uh, to the serious stuff versus waiting for it for a long time, except for when you talk to the Hurricane Center people. And we did that a lot with conference calls, but they still do that today. But when you're able to see what they're talking about, that's a plus. Yeah, and the accuracy is one thing that has been tremendous as well. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, it's something like, you know, our three-day hurricane forecasts now are as accurate as they were one day out back in 2000, and our three-day forecasts now are as accurate as they were, excuse me, our five-day forecasts are as accurate as our three-day forecasts were back in 2000. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, everything has – well, the window is closed on a lot of things, Joe, as you know, uh, but when it comes to hurricanes, the, the tracks are getting better. But they're still, they're still a little bit concerned about rapid intensification, especially near the coast. Jim, um, can I just jump in? Rapid intensification, for people who are listening, is when you have a ra rapidly strengthening storm, 35 miles an hour, I believe, within 24 hours. Yeah, right. Uh, and and we, we saw that with a couple of storms uh, over the years where right on your doorstep, it just blossoms. And the next thing you know, instead of having a tropical storm watch, you got a hurricane watch, and that hurricane warning quickly follows. And then again, you always consider the time of year. Uh, our, our biggest times of the year are after Memorial Day, especially as you get toward Labor Day. But I, th I think, Joe, I think 2021 is going to be an exceptionally, exceptionally busy and crowded season at the shore. I really do, because everybody has been pent up for a year and a half. Everybody wants to get out. Everybody's going to get out. And so... Uh, the, the chore now with the emergency management community, like in Cape May, the, the first line of defense in the Atlantic and 
and Ocean and, and Monmouth is to make sure you have things ready to go and, and ready to act in the event of a, a potential threat. Look, let me ask you this, you know, given that there have been more people just living at their second home year round, what have you been hearing from Office of Emergency Management people across the shore about being able to have the resources to help people during a hurricane? Are we looking okay? Have we done things to mitigate that in terms of having more people or are we still trying to feel this out? Well, that, that's a good point you bring up because what we have to do, we don't have to so much educate the locals year round. What we have to do is we, we've got new people coming in during the summer and a lot of people are running at the shore. So that becomes a, another concern where you have to get the message out. And a lot of ways of doing that, when people come down to rent, I know some of the real estate offices will hand out things on hurricanes and, and things like that. So uh, it is, it is uh, for instance, if you take Cape May, and, and Marty, uh, if he's listening, he'll call in and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, you take Cape May, during the year, Joe, I think they have 92,000 residents around, around the, the uh, calendar. You're correct. But in the wintertime, it's up to 1.1 million. So the potential increases uh, when it comes to trying to uh, get everybody out of harm's way. But I think through these, like you said, our, our three-day forecast is now as accurate as, as one. And, and we're getting better with that. So that's the biggest thing is try to get the people out of harm's way when a, like a hurricane watch is issued or something like that. Don't wait till the warning is issued. And we've got a pretty good evacuation plan. Uh, and we went over that a couple of years ago at the conference. And, you know, I think we mentioned that the only, the only times we evacuate are for hurricanes and also for high pressure at the shore when everybody's coming back Sunday and Monday. So uh, yeah. in, in terms of that, I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, we just had a, by the way, we just had a, a scenario at the uh, Aviation Research Park at the uh, airport. And uh, the scenario, believe it or not, and when I heard this, my, my hair was turning whiter and whiter and whiter. The scenario was a Category 3 making landfall in Sussex County, Delaware, moving at 70 miles an hour. And when I saw that scenario, I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to think about that. And, and, and just to go a little bit in depth, the reason why Sussex County, Delaware would be is chosen is because that means we would be on that northeastern quadrant of the storm if it's moving from south to north. And Jim, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but that's the storm. That's the side of the storm with the strongest winds and the most intensity. So, you know, even if it's moving 70 miles an hour, you know, and it will yeah. only be here for a couple of hours. That just yeah. packs. I mean, tell, I mean, you want to explain? You could. You were there. Explain what they said more in detail. But that packs a very significant well, yeah. punch and probably one more than Sandy. Well, you, you were talking about you were talking about uh, how do you prepare for things. Well, this this scenario was uh, to support how drones would be used in a in a major disaster in New Jersey. Uh, some small drones and some medium sized and large drones. And when you have something like that, what you have to be extremely careful about. And for the, all those people out there who have drones, good for you. And I hope you have your one hundred and seven license. And I know you do, Joe. You're yes, I do. I see your pictures on on your <laughs> website. Uh, but the idea behind it is when you have a major storm like that, you're going to have to uh, look at the, the airspace and see who's going to be using the airspace. Is it going to be the Coast Guard? Are they going to be looking for search and rescue? Are you going to be looking for recovery? Are they looking for damage? So that was the, that was the intent of this uh, drill to see how they're going to be able to use the national airspace 
when it comes time to do something with a major hurricane. Yeah. Uh, what we're going to do, Jim, is we're going to take a break right here. We'll have a nice break. And then the other side. Let's talk a little bit more about the forecast, actually, from NOAA. Talk about what Colorado State said, and we'll talk more about what that means for New Jersey. This is the All Something right. in the Air podcast. Hey, everyone. It's meteorologist Joe Martucci again. Every time I do a talk, I say if I could take this job again, I would take it 10 times out of 10. And that's for many reasons. One, weather just matters more down here. I've been in many corners of the state, and when it comes to southeastern New Jersey, weather is the most important thing I always hear. Whether it's for tourism, whether it's for farming, or whether it's for boating, well, weather just plays a big role. And not only that, here at the Press of Atlantic City, we're able to give this information to you any way you want. You want it in your newspaper? We got it. You want it in videos? We got it. You want it on our website? Yeah, we have that too. And we can't do it without your support. Your support has been great over the past couple of years, and we look forward to more of your support in the future. To support South Jersey journalism, go to our website, pressofac.com slash subscribe, and you'll have offers that you can't refuse. That's pressofac.com slash subscribe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Something in the Air podcast brought to you by the Press of Atlantic City in conjunction with Stockton University. Joined with me is Absekin Office of Emergency Management Coordinator, retired National Weather Service forecaster, instructor at ACIT, instructor at ACCC, uh, one of my meteorological parents. Uh, Jim, did I miss anything? Make sure you're home tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'll be I'll be on time. Although we have storms, Jim, I might have to stay here for a while. Yeah, right. We'll see. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're talking about hurricane season. Uh, we're giving you more of a local angle here in South Jersey. Of course, in May, we had Jordan Jones from Colorado State University, one of the forecasters who puts out, I would say, one of the top two hurricane forecasts in the country, that along with NOAA. We're going to talk about the NOAA hurricane forecast here. and Pretty much it's in line with Colorado State. But that means at to above average activity. NOAA has a 60% likelihood of it being an above average hurricane season. Uh, our average hurricane season is 14 named storms, seven hurricanes, and three major hurricanes. Jim, did I get that right? Uh, that's pretty close, Joe. It's pretty close. It might be eight hurricanes. I can look that up. What happened was this year we had a change to what averages. Every 10 years yeah. we change our average. So we just went from the old average to the new average. New average goes from 1991 to 2020. Yeah. So anyway, it is looking to be above average. 13 to 20 named storms, 6 to 10 hurricanes, 3 to 5 of those major category 3 plus hurricanes. Um, Jim, you know, let everybody know how what kind of process it takes to make a hurricane forecast. And were you involved in any hurricane forecast during your time at the Weather Service? Well, there's there's a couple of things. Uh, well, it all started back it all started back with uh, Dr. Gray, Colorado State University, back in mm -hmm. 1984, when he started making these hurricane forecasts. What he was doing, Joe, he had that old saying that when one part of the globe kicks, the other part feels it. So. With that in mind, what he would do is he'd look at the sea level pressures down at the Panama Canal. He'd look at the uh, precipitation and dryness over the western Sahel, Sahel Desert of, of Africa. And then he would try to put these things together and say, well, when it's wet over Africa, you're going to have more seedlings coming into the ocean, and then there comes tropical storms or hurricanes. But then as the, as the science grew, and as he got more involved with it, especially with uh, Dr. Klotzbeck, his uh, assistant, 
uh, they started looking at more things. And, you know, one of the big things they looked at and was new back then was the El Nino-La Nina uh, relationship. And then they started looking at uh, other oscillations, uh, the, the Madden-Julian oscillation, which is a, a moving belt of moisture and thunderstorms across every 60 to 90 days. And when all these things came together, it's like putting together a puzzle. When everything came into phase, then they would say, this is going to be a very active season. This is going to be an inactive season. And uh, that's where it all began. And I can remember early on when he first started putting those forecasts out, people would say, who is this guy? He's in the Rocky Mountains, and he's telling us about hurricane forecasts. So what he did in his early career, he used to he, – he was buddies with a lot of people at the National Hurricane Center, and I think he did go to college with a couple of them. So there was a very close relationship there. And then later on, Noah started putting them out. Uh, um, uh, other AccuWeather would put them out, and, and that now Joe Bastardi, he puts them out. He, he does a pretty good job. So, But everybody's in the ballpark. The one, one thing about Colorado, though, Joe, is if you notice, they don't give you a range. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they go boom. Yep. There's the Hurricanes, the National Hurricane Center, and Noah, they'll put out a range. And that's, we do that all the time in daily forecasts. Our highs today will be mid to upper 20s, something like that. Or, you know, but uh, there's a lot of things put into it, and then the, the experts come to consensus, and then that's when they issue their forecast. Yep. Yeah, it's, there's different methods, of course, and it all goes back. This is a relatively new science, you know, hurricane forecasting, a couple of decades old. As oh, you yeah, said, absolutely. You know, so we're learning stuff. And like we said in the beginning, you know, there's been a lot of progress. I mean... To think that in 2000, our five-day forecast is as accurate as our three-day forecast now is pretty incredible. So, you know, weather is something where I think if you talk to most meteorologists, they're going to say technology is a good thing uh, because it helps you see clearer, see things more accurately, you know, get a better grip on what's happening when it comes to forecast models. Um, I do want to turn to the Colorado State of portion of the of the uh, hurricane forecast here, and the one notable thing was that they do break down by county what the likelihood is of a named tropical storm or a hurricane within 50 miles of the county. Now, they have, when it comes to tropical storms, about double the risk here, which puts us roughly at about a 25% chance. Hurricanes, still a low chance, but the average is about 6%. And mm -hmm. they went with 18%. So, you know, it's a question, you know, as an emergency manager, right? I mean, you're talking with people in Absecan, you're talking with town officials, you're talking with other government leaders. How do you quantify or how do you say, hey, you know, it's an above average risk, but, you know, it's still more than likely not going to happen. Well, what, what these forecasts have, to me, have done since 84 and then as they were upgraded by different uh, agencies throughout the years, what they have done, Joe, is they actually send out a call to action. Uh, and the action being now we're into the hurricane season, now there's a potential. And that even though it's only a few percentages where they, they show an upward trend in the potential of something hitting, uh, it's, it's so far out. It's, there's nothing out there that's so far off the scale but they're still looking at all of these things under a microscope and saying, you know what, if, if everything comes together at the right time, the water temperatures, high pressure sitting off to the north, or uh, real deep low pressures in one part versus the other part of the U.S., then the, the threat's going to increase. So I do look at that just, just as you do. And what I do when I go out and talk or, or, or send out emails, uh, emails, I will say, yes, 
uh, there is a, an increased potential. And all that does is it, it, it just tells the people it's a call to action. Don't do anything now. Don't go crazy about doing anything. But what it does is tells the emergency management community that, you know what, this could be our year, uh, like you've seen down in the Gulf. And, and again, it looks like another tough season for the Gulf of Mexico. But again, even though it's only a few clicks, Joe, on that percentage scale, uh, it's something uh, that you always take into consideration. Yeah. Um, you know, when you it think it's an 18% risk for the shore. And, you know, one in five, that, that's enough to prepare for, like you said. But we're going to say fingers crossed doesn't happen. And hopefully we're good from there. Um, you know, I want to touch back on something that you said in the first part of the broadcast. And that was evacuating Cape May County. So, Jim, we have to turn back the clock a couple of years. I think we did this in 2018, um, where, like you said, you know, we evacuate for high pressure every Sunday or Monday, depending on what the holiday is during the summer, you know, coming out of Cape May County. So you, you were uh, telling me, and we eventually did a piece on this, about how you know, we pretty much have as many people leave the shore in Cape May County on a summer Sunday than we would for a hurricane during, say, October or November. Well, absolutely. And that was that was the uh, credit given to, I think it was a professor from Rutgers University and two pro and two professors from overseas. They they came together and they looked at this and it was staggering. Joe. When I first saw it, I'm thinking, OK, they're doing a hurricane exercise. But what they did, they actually compared what the evacuations were in Sandy and Irene and compared to what we do on a normal great weekend at the shore. Beautiful sunny day, uh, no sharks, 80 degree water temperature, and then people have to head home Sunday night and Monday. And the choke points were almost identical. The accidents along these different uh, thoroughfares getting away from the shore were almost identical. And then as the population and the traffic increased the farther north you got, you almost saw an identical graph as to here's, here's where the problem's gonna be, here's where this is gonna be, and that's why we got together with uh, Marty Pellucci down in Cape May and also Vince Jones, because they're the first two that's going to have to respond for an evacuation call. Uh, Marty given certainly the first call. Uh, but uh, that was really an amazing study that was done. And, and uh, we looked at that and we're saying, holy crap, we do that any, any Sunday. So hopefully, hopefully we can employ that. And it has gotten a lot of... Uh, over over the last couple of years and, and people are starting to look at that so that was a very good study by that that one gentleman from Rutgers what do you think about Atlantic and Ocean counties you think they would have similar findings um, there well you know I always say Cape May is to New Jersey as Florida is to the United States it's a that's out there and then everybody has to come up and then head on inland so that's the that's the biggest concern um, and you have to do it in a, in, a, in accordance with the plan that's laid out, like for instance, uh, Southern Atlanta County, Summers Point, places like that. And then we have to take into consideration, we've got Brigantine sitting there. They're gonna have to come over the 87 bridge and then get onto the expressway. So all of those things have been put into this hurricane evacuation plan. Um, and again, uh, the population uh, depends on the time of year. The, the, uh, uh, if you have a lot of people down here vacationing, it's a beautiful stretch, but as you know, most of the uh, warnings and, and advisories are given when the weather is going to be beautiful. So who's going to leave? That's why we have to, we have to be very careful with the new people coming into the shore who are not familiar with the way things are done. And that's why you have to keep this, this, this continuous uh, 
um, message going out that, hey, you're new, you're running here, but this is what's going to happen. And a lot of people won't be too happy, I'm sure. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you one more like kind of related question. One place I always think about when it comes to hurricane evacuations is Long Beach Island because there is one way in, there is one way out, and it is a long island. There is no uh, – they didn't shortchange the name. But let's put it no, that way. Long Beach Island, yeah. You know, let's say you live on Long Beach Island or you have a house in Long Beach Island. Like what's that evacuation plan like for them? Would you be able to speak on that? We had we had an excellent opportunity, Joe. One one day we had a a um, water spout came ashore in, in Beach Haven, and it, it destroyed part of the Sea Spray Motel. But as you know, Long Beach Island is nine miles uh, uh, from the south to the bridge, and nine yeah. miles from to get down. So you got nine and nine, and then you have to funnel. When I went up there to survey that that uh, tornado that came ashore, it took me four hours to go from the McDonald's on, on the 72 to get to where it was going four hours. And it turns out that the DOT department of transportation was doing a car count that very, very day. So it was staggering, Joe, it was staggering to see how the, the cars were passing a certain point. And then all of a sudden when the weather turned bad, eight cars an hour were getting through. <laughs> so we put eight. that together we, uh, uh, Lieutenant Paul Verbe and I put that together and we sent it to the National Hurricane Center. This is exactly what they were looking at. They talked about it and they tell you what could potentially happen. But if there was a hurricane coming up and LBI didn't evacuate, and we're not picking on LBI, I, I know a lot of people there and I've been there a lot of We love LBI. Yeah, I got, I got uh, the Mayor Mancini, uh, he and I are always in conversation, but uh, that was a stunning thing. And I still have that PowerPoint which shows how the traffic went from uh, 1,500 cars an hour down to eight an hour. And imagine a storm closing in on New Jersey. Instead of making that turn out to sea, it kind of turns to the left. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a very difficult place, and uh, that's, that's one of the concentration hotspots that we look at. Well, you know that book, uh, Great Storms of the Jersey Shore, that yes. came out by uh, Eric over, I believe, Eric, I believe is his name, yeah. in, uh, in Long Beach Island. And, you know, he focuses a lot on LBI and you think about like the mid 1900s or earlier 1900s where you didn't have the forecast, the forecasting as sophisticated as now and people were caught off guard and you ain't leaving the island at that point. So, you know, and you're pretty much fending for yourself because it's not like it's even a marshy land between there and the mainland. It is just a straight bay. So it's very hard to evacuate, even if you wanted to take a boat out and get over because you have to go all the way across the water and the water's a couple of feet deep, you know. Do you think LBI is, you know, we're talking about the country here. Is that one of the most difficult places to essentially get people out of? I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's difficult. Um, again, what you have to do, what you have to do, it would be, it would be our Key West, say. Mm. You know, they have to get people out of Key West. Well, LBI yeah. is our Key West. We have to get people out. But again, uh, and, and they do a good job there in Ocean County, um, with uh, emergency management and things, and uh, Brendan, one of the one of the uh, Long Beach Township guys, uh, we've met uh, several times. Uh, it is it is difficult educating the newer people who are coming, not not the year-round residents, but the newer people coming in who are not familiar with what do you do in a tropical storm or a hurricane. Um, but it would be difficult if you had if you had something form off of say Florida instead of coming in the middle of the tropical waters. And you watch it for several days. If you had something 
right in your own backyard form? Yes, it would be very, very difficult because it would take you a long time. I know they've improved some of the roads there, but there would be a, a bottleneck trying to get off the island. And the other thing too, Joe, you don't want to start doing things when a warning is put up. You want to start doing things when there's a watch put up or maybe even a little bit before then. That's what I would, I would do things. Uh, little things like what used to be a, a small bungalow is now a three-story three home that has four cars or five cars. What I always tell people, you take four of those cars, take them somewhere to the mainland, come back on one car, and then when you have to evacuate, you're only taking one car instead of five and adding to the traffic. So little things like that. But um, as, as long as we continue to get the, the good information out of the Hurricane Center and, and out of Mount, Mount Holly on, on things and, and preparedness, uh, I think we'll do good. It would have to be something really, really anomalous to, to really cause a, a significant problem. Well said, Jim. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. I, I feel like when we talk, like our time just kind of evaporates, but we are almost out of time here, Jim. So, uh, Jim, thanks again for coming on. Um, if you are watching this, if you're listening to this, this will not be the last time we see Jim. Jim will be around in some way, shape, or form. And if it's not through me, it's just through him being uh, the legend that he is in Atlantic County. So, Jim, any last words before we wrap up? Uh no, I just, I, again, I, I, one of the p uh, pieces of the puzzle is, is the media. And, and they're very fortunate. Uh, this area is very fortunate to have you when you, when you put the, these stories out. And they're all, they're all top-notch, first, first rate. And they, that can be anything from some frost or freeze to record temperatures to hurricanes. So, I mean, you cover just about everything. And that's, that's a plus for the press. Well, I, I didn't pay you to say that, Jim. But, uh, but thank you very much. Well, I'll give you some chocolate. I'll take the chocolate. That's fine. I'll come on over. I'm not too far away from you. All right, Jim, everybody, Jim, everyone, everybody uh, here with the Press of Atlantic Sea for our Something in the Air podcast. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci. We will be back with you the first Wednesday of July with New Jersey State climatologist Dr. Dave Robinson, my other meteorological parent. We are going to talk all about the month of June. That was. Until then, stay safe, and we'll talk soon.